take the tree guard off these new trees. And they said, when the tree starts to emerge out of the, out of the guard, then you should take the guard off. Because they said, if you don't, the tree trunk doesn't get strong. And the tree, when you do take it off, if you leave it too long, it'll break when the wind blows against it. It'll just snap off and die. And um, what, I, what I believe someone needs to hear today is that we think that church is all about living in a tree guard that God puts his hedge of protection around us and nothing's going to hurt us. But you know what? God wants you to grow and he wants you to be strong and there comes a time where those guards come off so that God can see what we're really going to stand upon. So, you know, sometimes you go through a journey where you're protected, you're, you're covered, especially early on in your experience in the Christian faith. But eventually, things will come against you. The winds will blow. God doesn't want those winds to destroy you. He wants you to be strong. And you've got to say, God, through these adversities, through these problems, through these trials, I'm not going to ditch my faith. I'm not going to walk away from the, the house of God, but I'm going to go grow stronger by allowing this to, to teach me and to train me to get stronger and better. So why don't we just pray right now, because um, I know there's perhaps a number of people here today who that word is going to be for you. So dear Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for whoever needs to hear that specific word today. Lord, that uh, you're, you allow the things that happen in our life not to destroy us, not to break us, but to allow us to grow in our faith and in our confidence that you are there with us all the time in every season, in every situation. So Lord, I just pray today, uh, help us to rely upon you. Help us to, to trust you when sometimes we feel we're exposed, where the, the, the guard has been taken away. But Lord, I pray that you are still there and that you are still willing to make us strong. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's uh, fantastic to see Gemma Whitaker back from Redding, California. Fantastic. Thanks, musicians. Just want to also say a really, really big thanks to all our kids' church workers. They're not here. They're out in the kids' church. But uh, we should really always be uh, you know, honouring and recognising those who serve us every week. So if you've got kids in there in kids' church, make it a habit to say thanks for looking after our kids. Thanks for teaching our kids um, the things of God and uh, making it possible so that uh, we can come to church and enjoy uh, the services that we enjoy. So make sure you do that. One of the things that I find is um, I love it when people send me good messages and Sean sent me a message and had on a group text so everyone saw the example of what you should do uh, when you send me a message. So that was fantastic and uh, it really you know, encouraged me to get such a good message. So... Um, don't send it to everybody, you can just send it to me, but it, I think it was nice that everyone saw that, so that's good. So this morning, I want to talk on part three of our series on growing. As I have mentioned many times at the beginning of the year with our uh, time of prayer and fasting where we set our spiritual direction, I uh, really felt the word for this year was grow and to be growing and, and to uh, bring that to the church. So we've looked all, already um, at part one was growing in our spirit. And you can get all these messages off, off our podcast. But growing in our spirit was part one. Part two was growing in community, which we call church. And this morning I want to go take that a little bit further for part three, and that's growing a better church. Now when I use just say those two words, growing a better church, 
I'd say immediately for a lot of people, it would conjure up an image in your mind about your experience of what church has been. And uh, sometimes you'd be thinking, well, growing a better church, well, you know, I've had some pretty um, ordinary experiences about church. And probably every single person can have a story about something that didn't live up to their expectation. Because we do sometimes have high expectations of what we think church should be. But I'm going to give you some quotes from Rick Warren from his book, The Purpose Driven Life. And he says this about church. Sadly, many Christians use the church but don't love the church. I'll let that one sink in a little bit. Sadly, many Christians use the church but don't love the church. There's a whole lot in that little statement right there. He also says this, on, uh, only in regular contact with ordinary imperfect believers can we learn real fellowship and experience the New Testament truth of being connected and dependent on each other. He also says this, it may seem easier to be holy when no one else is around to frustrate your preferences, but that is a false, untested holiness. Isolation breeds deceitfulness. It is easy to fool ourselves into thinking that we are mature if there is no one to challenge us. Real maturity shows up in relationships. And one of our key words as a church um, that we find in our, in our vision statement, and if you can speak it out with me, if you're part of our church, to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And uh, growing in maturity means that we need other people around us. And, you know, if, when you, if you don't know what it is, you just mumble along and so. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to church life and the way we interact with church, it's really important that we do grow in maturity and that we do under, understand there is responsibilities that also equal commitment. So they're, they're just a few things we need to use as ground rules here. So David reflects uh, his attitude to the house of God as he, he describes that attitude that he has as gladness. Psalm 122. Have I got that right? I should have a, a thing there. I think I've got the wrong... Uh, I, I don't have the verse there. But David says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. He describes his experience, his interaction with the house of God, which we would know as this kind of thing here, where we come to church, as the church, as a, a thing of gladness in his life. And I believe church, when it does its job well, will influence its world and make it a better place. Uh, people want to be there. And the other thing is people want to bring their friends to a place like that. So David was saying, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So his, his attitude, his, his uh, reaction to someone saying, hey, you're going to church this week, is, hey, I was glad to be invited. I was glad to be going. And it also talks about uh, when they said to me. So th there's community of people on the same journey, in the same place, wanting to experience the same things. So when believers are together, no, I'm, get, I'm, not, I'm not, what's happened? It's not there. 
it's all right. Well, we'll just keep going when the next one comes. We'll try and get that one. I believe that... Uh, so just to tell you what happened last night, I was doing my message, had it all sweet and wonderful, and I uh, was do, doing some other research on the last message I preached, and thought, I'll look at that, and then I went to close it, and it said, uh, do you want to save changes? I said, oh, I didn't do any changes on that, but it closed down my whole message. So I'm, I'm running on 4 a.m. this morning, panic preaching. But I, I'm amazed how much I retained of, what, of the original version of this message. But, it's, but then the PowerPoints disappeared and everything, so here we are uh, in disorganization. But when believers are together with aligned vision, and again, I've, I've preached a whole series on alignment, being aligned with the, with the uh, things of God, but when we're, when we're in aligned vision and in going in the right direction as a group, eyes on Jesus... That's the key. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on each other. Um, that's an incredible place to be in. It's very exciting, very fulfilling, very fruitful season in our lives when we can be together with people on the same, uh, same action, going in the same direction. But when God's people get motivated by his cause, then mighty things can happen. Mighty things will break out all around us. So I want us to be committed to growing uh, good things into the fiber of the church. There are many factors that create a healthy church. Um, I don't think uh, or expect to cover everything today, um, but I can get us thinking about our responsibilities and our commitment to this thing we call church. So the type of church that, uh, that we aim to build here at One Heart is found in Ephesians 4 verses 1 to 7. And in fact, that was the, the core uh, verse that God gave me, considering, shall we come to this place? Shall we go to, uh, to Port Lincoln and, and um, pastor this church? And I felt very clearly in my spirit. And it wasn't until the Lord showed me this verse that I, I was convinced to come. And Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 7 um, uh, says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And I want to encourage every person who confesses Jesus Christ, every believer here today, that you need to settle that fact in your life that you have been called by God. We need to understand that because it will make all the difference as to how effective we are in our life. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We're going to, that's our main verse that we're going to look at today. But make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, in this verse, we have the foundational elements and the framework the structure and the finished product for our church. And I believe sometimes, you know, and we've got to watch our language and our vocabulary a lot because I've been around church for, for many, many years and sometimes I, I think we hear a lot of messages about foundations and uh, if we keep talking about um, solid foundations and then, then we, keep, you know, we keep the church at that place of foundations but we never get the scaffolding up, we never get the walls up, we never put the roof on because we're always preoccupied with a foundational level of our existence. But I want us to be thinking about uh, the future, thinking about the building that we are. We've passed foundation stage. 
and we need to be moving on and recognising that where we're going next is a new stage of the building. So just go through um, six key things because I think it's always important to be reminded uh, if we want to know the kind of pattern of church that we want to be, that we're, that we're growing into, Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 7, we see that. So the first thing we see in that verse is we are people called by God. I've already mentioned that. Number two, make allowances for each other's faults because of love. Um, again, going back to what Rick Warren said earlier, loving church, uh, not using church. Because when we use church, we're always seeing, well, what, who's serving me? Uh, what's there for my comfort? What's there for my family? And, and we can easily fall into that mindset because we're surrounded by it in everything else we do and, uh, and not realise that um, we've got to be um, loving the church and serving the church and committing ourselves to that church, which is the body that Jesus puts us in. Number three, we are united in purpose. Um, unity brings peace, defined in our name, One Heart Church. And uh, that's a name that I believe we should wear as a banner that says we are united and we have one heart and one purpose in what we do. Number four, we are one body and we have the same spirit. So all of us together, we're going to see as we go that we all have a corporate purpose together as the body and we're going to have an effect upon the world in which we live. Um, Number five, God is our authority. So we've got to judge what we do by his standards. God is the authority by which our standards will be judged. So um, number six, we are gifted with all we need to get the job done. But one of the things that I think is really crucial and important for where we are right now as as a, a church is that we establish shared values because shared values grow a better church because if everyone's got a different value, we will never have total uniformity. I'm not saying that. One of the first things that, that I think is really important in, in a, a group church situation is that we, we establish common value systems, common goals as well. Um, but success is a heart thing. And so sometimes we've, we've got to realise what the goals are. And uh, one of those scriptures that really I find is, is fantastic is Psalm 101 verse 6. But... Um, Success, as I said, is a heart thing. And we need, to, we need to connect our heart with other people who have the same success that we want to see. So um, you've got to be around those who motivate and inspire you to serve in the house of God and to lift you to do things beyond what you would normally do all by yourself. Uh, having shared values, Psalm 101, uh, again, David uh, gives us a clear insight to his values. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but I tell you, it's a good study to look at Psalm 101 and look at, the, look at the things that David says about the people who he wants around him, the values that, he, that he's looking at for people who he wants to be around him and in his life and speaking into him. But verse 6 says, um, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. So, David is saying uh, one of the values that he, that he uh, wants of people around him is faithfulness, is people who, who are trustworthy, who are responsible, who are, who are reliable. All those words um, describe that word faithful. 2 Timothy 2.22, if we move on, 
It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness. Again, that word, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. And you know, when we go back to that statement about um, those who use the church but don't love the church then we'll soon find that there's a lot of demands being met. We'll soon find that there's a lot of, a lot of areas in, in their um, understanding that makes it all about what we can do for them or what they're expecting that you should have done rather than, well, I'm part of this and with uh, an expectation that I get served that I also believe that I am serving out as well. So it's, it's not a one-way street all the time where it's like I have an expectation and they didn't, they didn't uh, live up to that or I have, just as I have a responsibility if I claim to be part of the church that I, I serve others in some way and in effect I, I will receive serving back in, in that sort of a context. But building into one heart church is a culture that I want people to have is that this is the best part of my life. That this is the best part of my life, is being part of the church. That's what David was talking about in Psalm, uh, wherever it was, uh, 106 or 102. It was just not on the screen before for me. Psalm 122. That's what David was talking about. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Sometimes I think Christians are going, well, I just wish there was another invitation on Sunday morning so I didn't have to be there. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that but let's, let's cross the boundaries into legalism and, and laws, but I'm saying there's something missing when we don't have that desire, that passion to be in the house of God, to worship Him. Because when we can start to see the, the power that happens when the church comes together and is motivated, that is, that is giving, that is serving, that is loving, that is worshipping God, the King of Kings, it's punching massive holes through the enemy's armour. It's punching massive holes through the enemy's warfare that he's trying to warfare against us. Church can be less than perfect place because people are imperfect. I'll say that again so you all understand. Church can be a less than perfect place because people are imperfect. And sometimes we're thinking, well, church you know, should be the place that fulfills everything every time. And sometimes it doesn't. If you've ever been in church for more than two weeks, you realise it's true. There's all things that, that aren't always perfect. So... Here's what you need to understand. Unrealistic expectations result in unhealthy evaluation of others and the church. So unrealistic expectations result in unhealthy evaluation of others and the church. When we're caught up expecting others to behave in certain ways, we can become cynical and ungrateful. Now this goes every single which way in church life. So sometimes leaders and pastors can be expecting things out of people and thinking, well, I just wish they would know, wish they'd know where to sit or whatever it is. I just wish they got it. You know, and so we can have a cynicalness and a, and, a, and a hardness can come even into leaders when they don't see people performing. And then sometimes church people, one you know, across the board and then to their leaders, have expectations. If the pastor would only do it like this, if only they would see this, if only we'd try that. And so we have a cross, you know, a, a, a crossway 
thing going on all the time. And if we're not aware, we can allow a, a root and seeds of bitterness to erupt within us because everything's not perfect. People let us down. People disappoint us. People frustrate us. People annoy us. And that's just from the pastors. That's true. You think, oh, you don't like the pastor. Well, you know, we, we, we get it all the time. But Ephesians 4.2, when our expectations of church are not met, we can find bitterness forming in our soul. And what we, what we need to be is a church, a group, a community that causes a sweetness to enter our spirit that causes the, 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 the fragrance of heaven to be uh, poured out among us, to grow us and strengthen us. But uh, when our expectations of church are not met, bitterness can form in our soul. Ephesians 4.2, we need to bring into play. Uh, making allowances for each other's faults because of our love. Um, people are faulty. So to build a better church, we have to apply grace to all those faults. So I'll say it again. Turn to someone and say, people are faulty. And we save ourselves, uh, we save ourselves uh, pain and disappointments when we realise that people are faulty. And we, we, can't, we can't apportion those faults to God who is faultless. But, we gotta, but God wants us to learn together in a sense, take the tree guard off to the winds of those around us and grow strong in the spirit, trusting him in all things. But I believe church should be the most fulfilling and fruit, fruitful part of our life. Where we're, a, where we're a source of blessing and others are a blessing to us. In that, we become a growing church. In that, we become a secure church. We become a secure people. And so we've, we have to find that thing in ourselves of discovering where we fit, how we strengthen others, and what our part is. So I believe every person has a part in the church, and we need to find those, uh, those elements and, and uh, plug into those things and see what God does. But what happens when the spring... Um, that should be a blessing. The church should be a blessing to people and, and uh, sometimes it's not. So what happens when that spring that should be bringing life is actually poisonous or toxic, if we use that word? So when people go there, they get sick. Um, sometimes it's described as having a toxic culture. Workplaces can have a toxic culture. Um, uh, sporting clubs can have a toxic culture. And so too churches can operate with a toxic culture that doesn't um, do justice to the name of God whose name we're supposed to be lifting and displaying. So what do we do? Uh, when people go there, they get sick. Uh, a toxic culture will poison the life out of it. And uh, I want to show you a little story from, from Jericho, you know, the place where Joshua marched around seven times with the with the army and they blew the trumpets and the walls fell down. Well, they probably should have left them down because later on the people of Israel rebuilt the, the city of Jericho and lived there and, and we're at that place in this story. It's a rebuilt Jericho under the Israelites now. 2 Kings 2 verse 19 says, One day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. Now Elisha is an incredibly powerful prophet. 
and uh, a man of God. And in a way, the, the whole nation is turning to Elisha for advice, for wisdom, for direction on everything. So um, they, they are looking to men like Elisha for, for direction. So one day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha and they say, we have a problem. Um, I'll better read that again. We have a problem, my Lord, they, they told him. The town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. So I want to give you some points on growing a better church from this little piece of scripture here. So leadership has an important function to identify and treat toxic conditions. So leadership that seeks external, godly, spiritual and prophetic help will see healthy church growth outcomes. So the first thing, it says the leaders of Jericho went to see Elisha and said, we have a problem. So there's an identity that something's wrong. So the leaders of Jericho said to Elisha, we have a problem. The first point to growing beyond where we are is to see the problem or the problems and to adjust those things with the help of a godly, prophetic voice into that area. So if you're taking notes, number one, the leaders recognise the situation and sometimes that's not always the case in church. If you talk to leaders, sometimes you say, well, how, how is it all going? It's fantastic, it's awesome, unbelievable, just amazing. Seeing the, 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 all, all the good things, but sometimes underlying there can be some, there can be some toxic things that, that aren't helping things grow. And, and uh, many times you can see, well, why, why are we stuck in a position or a place? Because we haven't dealt with the toxic things that are, that are culturally underlying what's happening in the church. So they admitted it and they had a realistic evaluation. It's always good to have a realistic evaluation about yourself and about the church. So, uh, you know, we do that as a church every few years. We have, we have a, a church health survey and we, um, we look at our church. We look at where we're strong. We don't just look at all the bad things. We look at where we're strong, what we do well, and we look at what we don't do well and how we can uh, create the atmosphere to change and develop that better. So the second thing we see here is they said we live in beautiful surroundings. And what, what this, uh, this might heal a lot of people here today. We've got to realise that not everything's going to be bad. So, so often you think, well, there's little things that, we, that, that, that upset us, little things that we don't think are, are right or correct. But you know what? We've got to, we've got to realise, hey, not everything's bad around here. So the people of Jericho, they said, you know what, we've got, we've got a problem, but not everything's bad. We've got some good points that we need to, that we need to celebrate as well. So they said, um, we live in a beautiful surroundings, so they're saying, not everything's bad. And I think that's, that's something, if uh, people come to you and they, they have complaints or they have, you know, especially leaders, you need to remind yourself, maybe write this down and and put it somewhere in your wallet or, or on your phone. And when, uh, when those negative words come, you gotta, you've got to always remind yourself not everything is bad. There's got to be something beautiful about the surroundings that you can look to to encourage yourself. Number three, but the water is bad. The source, the flow, 
the, the, where the life comes from is actually bad. It's poisonous. So um, that has a result. Point number four, the land is unproductive. And sometimes we, we think, well, um, you know, why, don't, why doesn't things grow? Why, why isn't there any, any greenery coming up around here? It's because what's flowing out isn't fertile. It's anti-fertile. But church is a spring of life. It should be a spring of life that wherever it flows, touches people and makes their life better. So church, we're a spring of life. People coming in should get better. They should have a better life. Uh, life should become sweeter. Life should become more clear, uh, more productive in every way. See, the role we have together as the church is to affect change to the world that we live in and make it a better place. That's what we're here to do, is to make the world a better place. Some, something that others can say, well, uh, I want to I experience peace in my life. Well, go to church. I want to experience uh, joy and happiness and gladness, like what David was talking about. Then go to church. I'm not, that's a bad use of words here because we shouldn't go to church as such, but we are the church and we should be, uh, we should be those things displayed to the world in a real way. So a bitter spring, a poisonous spring, um, affects productivity, but a pure spring brings life wherever it touches. A bitter spring cannot produ uh, can't produce life, but a bitter spring contaminates, but a pure spring is healing to the ground that it flows over. So in the spirit, there is a flow of water that feeds the spirit of people. And my desire is that we are a spirit-filled people who feed the needs of our community in every way that we can. But we want to be a good spring where our lives flourish and we grow into things that we thought we could never do. That's where the community comes into it because we, could, we sometimes are limited by our, our, um, just our own inabilities, our own insecurities, our own fears. But you know, when we come together as the church, that's where we should be being motivated and directed and challenged and lifted so that we go to things that we thought we could never do that we didn't even know was in us. 2 Kings 2 again, verses 20 to 22. Elisha responds to the problem. And he says this, Bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. And then he went out to the springs that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says, I have purified this water, it will no longer cause death or infertility and the water has remained pure since, just as Elisha said. So there's some, some little keys that I want you to, to get this morning that can uh, help us to be a better church. So number one, it says, uh, Elisha says, uh, bring me a new bowl, a new container for God to use. Um, not an old one or a broken one, a new one. And that, that you know, speaks to me about the need that we have to be uh, spiritually renewed all the time. Um, we're never at that place of saying, well, we've seen it before, we've know, we know it all, uh, we, we know how this all should work, and we know uh, how God works, but it's about constant renewal in our spirit uh, that comes from the Holy Spirit that allows us to keep on growing. 
And that's, a, that's an internal thing. And that's a, a corporate thing. And I believe that it should be a physical thing where as we grow uh, internally and in maturity, that we also should grow in number and in strength and in other ways as well. So uh, he says, bring me a new bowl. And I, I really think that the church is can't ever get stuck in an old pattern, in an old way, uh, get, get left behind in some, some old revelation. We've always got to be pushing forward. And as every individual, you need to be in the Word. You need to be discovering new things in God, digging down and hearing God speak into your life on a daily basis. And that's where the real, the real power, the real passion, the, the real energy to fly in your spirit comes from those encounters one-on-one -on -one with God. And then you don't get to that place of being an old, broken uh, bowl that God can't use. So Elisha you know, says, I need a new bowl. And God's saying, oh, I need that new, um, that new container all the time. Uh, number two, he says, get some salt in the bowl. Now here's the lesson. The church is the body. Uh, the church as a body is the bowl. And the salt represents individual people. Now, I don't know about you, but in the natural sense, if we chuck salt into a spring that, that is, that is uh, already poisonous, it would probably make it worse. But we're talking about spiritual things here, and, and we see the world is, is like pouring out a spring that, that affects the way we live. Every place you go to, there will, be a, a, there will be a flavor, a stream that affects everything about that place. You know, if I, if I mention a place, uh, some suburb somewhere, We'll just mention Elizabeth, so to speak. You think everything that, that affects that place is flowing out of the, the industrial uh, background of that town. So when, so when that industrial um, mechanism is, is being um, threatened, then it affects everything. It affects the way people think. It affects the way people plan. It affects the way people um, you know, look at everything. That There'll be fear. You know, you think of other places around our state where, where you know, there, there's, there's a flow into every community that will affect the way they believe, the way they think, the way they perceive life to be. So the church is a body, as the body is, is the bowl that Elisha called for, and the salt represents us as individuals. Matthew 5.13, a well-known scripture, says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? So when the church in the bowl is poured out into the world, it turns bitter things, it changes bitter things into sweet things and turns the flavor of the spring of, of our city into something better, into something fresher, into something that's a source of life. Um, we need new thinking, new ideas, new perspectives. Um, that we initiate around us, because I believe the church has, has a lot to say, should have a lot to say about everything. But unfortunately, we've, we've, we've become timid and we've become, we've be, become isolated and um, I, I guess marginalised by the voice you know, that we should have, that we shouldn't be ashamed of. We are the salt of the earth. But what good is the salt if it has lost its flavour we need to be people who are declaring and witnessing and sharing the truth of the gospel in everything, where it touches every part of life. And that's been so distorted, so misused. And, it's, and I'll tell you, we're going into a season of, of uh, culture in our, in our nation 
where it's open season for Christian faith. It's open season for godly morals and character and all those things are totally being assaulted and eroded in every way that they can. But we've got to be a church that's pouring out into a bad world and making it better. We aren't meant to stay in the bowl, but we've got to affect the spring of the world in which we live so that we're not, left, we're not just in a bowl, in a holy cluster, but God wants us to, to be poured out every day into the places where we live and affect change and affect the world. The third thing we see here that Elisha said, it says, and he said, and he spoke into the situation as he poured the salt out. Colossians 4, 6 tells us to let your speech be seasoned. Be seasoned with grace. Be seasoned with wisdom. But we've got to be careful what we say. Our words create the level of our world. And so we've got to, we've got to be really careful when we speak. We're speaking life over ourselves, over our children, over our family, over our workplaces, over our businesses, over our church. We've got to be speaking words of life that are going to be a source of God's blessing. Because it declares what we want God to do. And he said this. He said, this is what the Lord says. And we've got to always be speaking out over our lives, over our circumstances, over our situations, what God's word says about the thing. So God's word doesn't say that you should be sick. God's word doesn't say that you should be poor. God's word doesn't say that you should have lack in your life. God's word says that you should... You should be, be prospering in your spirit and in your soul. And so we need to speak that word into us, over us. God's word says that we should be productive. God's word says that we should be a blessing. So we need to speak what God's word says into our situations. So when there's lack, you speak God's word into it. Not saying that, you know, don't expect things to be tough sometimes, but we've got to speak what God's word says. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have made this water wholesome. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And guess what? Guess what happens? The water becomes good and becomes a source of life to Jericho again. And that's the outcomes that we want to see by following the Lord as his people. That we become a source of life. That we turn you know, toxicity into something good. So the church that does its jobs, uh, sorry, the church that does its job well will influence the world and make it a better place. And that's not, that's not something that, that, that is, you know, well, the church, and, and we want the church to do this, and we want the church to do that. It's individuals, where we are, where we live, where we work, with our neighbours, with our friends, with our relatives, with people in our world, even strangers sometimes, when we do our job well, we'll influence the world and make it a better place. So when the Holy Spirit anointing is flowing like, like a spring among the church, barrenness will, will be replaced with flourishing growth. And that's what I want to see in every one of our lives this year is a place of flourishing growth where we don't feel like we're barren. We don't feel like we're isolated. We don't feel like we don't know how we fit into all this. 
that we come to that place of understanding who Jesus is. In Genesis 2 verse 6, before man was created, it even says before seeds and all this kind of stuff, it says God watered the, world, watered the earth by streams. And that takes us right back to before sin was in the world, before Adam did anything stupid. It takes us right back to, to the very beginning of, I think, a description of how God wants the world to be. I think it's a description of how church can be because it says the, the, the land was watered. It mentions before there was rain. We can't imagine that. So the, water, the, the world, the earth being watered without rain. It says it was before rain was even invented yet. We're going right, right, right back, but it's a pattern of how God wants us to live. Because we, we think of seasons, and we always talk about seasons. We say, oh, we're in a season of this, we're in a season of that. But you know what? When, when we start to live in the Spirit, we start to draw from a stream that's not relying on any season. That, that's not relying on, on the wet season or the, the dry season. Because its source is deep in God that nourishes our soul, that strengthens our spirit, that enhances everything about our life. It's a spring that's not dependent on, on seasons, but is deep from within a source that comes from God. It's a great example for the church to bring water into barrenness that's not dependent on life seasons. And you know, there's, there's, there's times where where we are affected by seasons. But I want us to be a church that is growing beyond the season. That we're saying as a church, we're, we're going deeper spiritually. We're, 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 we're seeing things that, that can't be seen by the natural eye or experience. We're going into a spiritual level of, of behaving and living and knowing that, uh, that we're going, stepping forward beyond the seasons now. And we're going to be fed from a source that never runs dry. It reminds me of that old song, There is a river, I won't sing it to you, that never shall run dry. I could sing it. It says, come to the waters, there is a vast supply. Who remembers the song? You're too old. <laughs> It's just getting to the end and the people are waking up. Come to Jesus, the life giver, the source of life. Be the people of the church that taps into the deep waters. So, you know, what, what I want you to try and take home with you today is that you can live in a way that, that no matter what the season is, you've, you've got a source. You've got something that, to to tap into, that you're, you're living in a spiritual revelation, not a reality of life that, that is what you see and feel and touch around you. you know, sickness will come. You've got a source. Pain will come and hurt will come. The, the tree guard will come off. And you're saying, but I've got a source that is going to keep feeding me. I've got a source that is going to keep growing me. So as we partner together to see many barren lives turn to life in growing a better church, we, we, 
we just have to be diligent to some of those things that no one else notices. Be diligent to, to the things that God has spoken to you in your life. Small things that mean a lot. But I just want you to, to have a love for the Word of God. Have a love and a passion for His people and for His house. And you know that when we start living like that, we build a better church. People are faulty, but Jesus is not. If I can just conclude by saying, just bow your heads with me this morning. I've said a whole lot of stuff and sometimes we can just go right through a whole message and never mention Jesus Christ, who was a sinless, perfect Son of God, who came and gave His life and shed His blood for us because we were faulty. And before God, we needed a, a perfect presentation for him to allow us to be in his presence but Jesus came and he died so that our sins could be forgiven so that our brokenness could be healed so that our fears could be removed so that Jesus could stand before the father pleading for us saying I've, I've paid the price I've taken their debt and I've put it on my body and I've said they're, they're set free so today if you thinking, well, I kind of feel a lot, something's happening in my spirit. And you're saying, Jesus, I, I want to come home. Jesus, I want to live in that place like what Rob was talking about with that life source, living in the springs, not, not relying on the conditions of the season. I want to bloom and I want to blossom and I want to be green all the time. Then just between you and God, just raise your hand and say, we, you see my hand Lord and I want to live in that place of digging deep I want to live in that place of your freedom I want to live in that place of knowing that you're with me because I desire to be fruitful with my life so Lord I just pray for every hand that's raised here today Father I pray that they'll truly see growth in their life in 2016 and beyond that, Lord, you'll take those things that have, that have uh, caused them to live according to seasons. And God, I pray they'll break through and live in the place like you had created the earth before rain was even a thing. And may they have roots that go down deep into your presence. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless your church. Thank you.